astrology, for example, is one of the really the first full like picture that I ever had of myself that like helped me own who I was and not feel like there's something wrong with me or I'm too confusing and too complicated. It was like on paper, this way of validating who I was to the core. Hello, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Carly and Mia. Hi, welcome back, everyone. We have another great guest today. Yes, Amy Lauren Greenfield. I'm so excited for this one. We connected with her through... Actually, I think we connected with her through a Facebook group, which is like, so I'm really into Facebook groups (laughs) these days, (laughs) (laughs) which was cool because then after that, I feel like I heard a few different people mentioning that they had worked with her and we were excited to hear more about what she does. So the episode is very comprehensive pretty much ended up being primarily about astrology, which was interesting because it's something that I don't know much about, but I always love to learn about those different modalities. Yeah, definitely. And we've had Stephanie Capone on. She was episode 29 and she talked about astrology as well and tarot and other modalities like Katie Calder was episode seven. She talked about human design, but like you said, this episode goes very deep. I feel like it's like a 101 on astrology, especially on the houses, which of course, a lot of people, we've said this before, are familiar with their sun sign, maybe even heard of their moon sign and the rising sign. But I honestly, I'm not too familiar with all of the houses and how all of those come into play. So this was a really good episode if you want to learn a lot more about the basics of an astrology chart. Yeah, I think that it would be cool to listen to while you're actually looking at your chart. So if you looked on like any of the astrology websites, I think there's one called like Astrovad. We talk about it too later on in the episode with ones that she likes, but it would be cool to kind of know a little bit more about what your chart looks like other than just what, like what Mia said, your sun, your moon and your rising, because she does. Like I asked her about the houses and she gives us like a really, really good rundown of every single like house and planet and all that stuff. So it's very cool, very interesting to learn about. And then near the end of the episode, we obviously do more of our rapid fire questions. And it was just cool to hear more about her and how she got into this career where she's helping so many people through her coaching and then also just through reading their charts and different type of energy healing as well. So we're both excited to do a session with her soon. So I'm definitely going to set something up with her to read my chart. I'm excited for that. But other than that, I feel like uh, it's just a great episode to learn more about yourself and about astrology and use it as a tool to kind of guide you if you're feeling a little lost in any area. So highly recommend reaching out to Amy as well if something in this episode sparks your interest because she's you can tell from listening, she's a wealth of information on all of these topics. Yes. I've never had an astrology reading before, so I really want to reach out to her for one. And all of these modalities, if you're interested in astrology, in human design, in tarot, all of these, I love that she mentioned that astrology is a more tangible tool to use because you can physically see your chart and you just need someone to help explain it to you. But it's a lot more digestible than maybe what we've talked about before, like the Akashic Records, which is solely talking to someone who has that intuitive power and sees visions. This is something tangible on paper, which Amy repeats a lot and I think was a really good takeaway from the episode. 
Yeah. And it's actually based on the stars and the planets. So it's something that's Mm -hmm. actually, that actually exists. So very cool. And today we actually both did a salt drop class together, which was so fun, not together, but together live on Instagram. (laughs) Yes. I know you texted me like five minutes before the class and I was getting my mat rolled out. So it was fun. Like I do salt drop a lot, but not live as much. And it was fun to just know that you were doing it with me. And I actually saw Carolyn, one of our other friends, join the live. So it's like a sense of community that I kind of forget about. Of course, these workout studios are providing a community and something fun for us all to come together. But when you join the live and you see your friends are actually there, it makes a big difference. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. It was kind of funny because I hadn't planned on joining it. I was actually planning on doing a different workout, but then my morning kind of got away from me and I was like, not putting it off, but I just hadn't done it yet. And then I was on Instagram, just just scrolling away. And I saw Dino's story, something about joining Salt Drop at 11am and it was like 10.55. I love that this like working out at home, you can literally decide two minutes before a class starts if you want to do it and just quickly change and get your mat out. And that's the type of flexibility I need in my life. I know. And I honestly do think that the live makes a really big difference, especially like you said, when you know that your friends are in there, because I felt like it was, it was weird. Like I felt like I was like at a class, even though I wasn't with anybody, it was in my apartment, but like, it just felt like a more, and Dino also has such a good vibe. Like it felt like just such a upbeat, fun vibe. And honestly, those 30 minute workouts go by so fast for salt drop. Today's went by in a blink of an eye and it was really hard. I'm sore already. I was confused when it was over. I was like, wait, that was 30 minutes? Like how? I know. Really crazy. But yeah, it was very fun. And then, yeah, the rest of my weekend has kind of just been... I only do laundry like once a month now. <laughs> what? Why? So, because I don't have it in my unit anymore. It's in the basement. Oh. And so I basically like went backwards from having it in my unit. And then from being at home with my family where obviously they have it in their house. And now I have it only in the basement and I just tried to avoid doing it. So yeah, this was only the second time doing it since I moved here. And this is my second month here. So I've just decided that I'm only going to do it once a month. (laughs) Big day. (laughs) I do laundry like every minute. This is the first time I've ever had laundry in my unit. And now I love doing laundry. That's what I used to do too. But it was kind of (laughs) funny because I was basically influenced by Sari, who we also have had on the podcast before. But I had done my laundry and then I just like wasn't putting it away because that's what I always do. And then she just posted a random story about how her goal for today was to do her laundry and actually put it away the same day. And I was like, you know what, Sari, I'm going to do the same thing. (laughs) So I'm the same way. Super accomplished. I leave it in the dryer sometimes for days. And then Dan's like, what is this? Get your laundry out. (laughs) Yeah. So. So big day, did laundry, salt drop, all of the things. And now we're getting into a new week. And I'm excited for some of the recordings that we have this week. I'm excited for all of them. Yes, we have a packed week and we're kicking off 2021. Just as we said, we're really excited about it. We have amazing guests. Stay tuned for great episodes. Yes, very exciting. And then just to talk about some of the new things we're trying, like we always like to do. Mm -hmm. I haven't talked about this yet on the podcast, but I've definitely mentioned it on Instagram and our stories. I've been really enjoying doing beginner ballet classes. And I did ballet growing up. 
But it's one of those things that obviously, if you're not doing it for years, you totally lose all of the ability to do it. So (laughs) primarily the flexibility part, especially because I went from doing that to being like a really big runner. And with running, you can easily lose so much of your flexibility, especially if you don't stretch. So I've been really enjoying doing this beginner ballet class that this professional or ex-professional ballerina retired professional ballerina, (laughs) Catherine Morgan has all of these videos on YouTube. And I didn't actually know who she was until I was looking for beginner ballet classes, but she's really good. I loved watching her old videos from some of the ballets that she was in, but she does like just a basic straight to the point ballet bar workout. And it's so much fun. It's an hour long and she just goes through like all the different things that all started to come back to me. And then she does a lot of good stretching videos as well. So I've been doing that like I was doing it every single night, but now since I've been back after the holidays, I've only done it a couple of times, but I'm going to start trying to do it every night again. And I've definitely been doing the stretches every single day because I noticed a huge difference. Like I can already do a split again and I hadn't been able to do one in so long after losing so much of my flexibility. So I'm loving that. And we can link that in the show notes as well, because it's just a fun, different thing to do. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who did ballet growing up and would enjoy getting back into it a little bit. Yes, that's so fun. I love this whole theme of dance classes. And even though that's more of like basics and flexibility and at least the class you're talking about, that's so important. I never did ballet except when I was like maybe six. And then I did jazz and (laughs) gymnastics. And I was so flexible. And that's definitely something that I need to keep on top of because I don't have that flexibility anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's so easy to lose it. But I feel like it's also... Not easy, but yeah, pretty easy to get it back if you actually dedicate time stretching and doing it like after your workouts. Like sometimes I would wait and then I would just stretch later and I would think, oh, if I still got it in that day, then it's good. But it's really not the same. You're really supposed to do it when your muscles are still warm. And if you don't stretch after a workout, like the salt drop, like today, I love Mm -hmm. that he has that built in because otherwise your muscles just get sore and tight. Yes, I did an hour long salt drop yesterday and half hour today and I'm very sore. I definitely don't stretch as much. So that's a really good tip. I'm sure a lot of people, ex-ballerinas and just those that want to be more flexible should check out that class. Yes. My new thing, not so exciting, but I talked recently about how Dan and I have been obsessed with the Food Network and I can't get enough of Chopped and Beat Bobby Flay. And I got the Bobby Flay cookbook. And this is actually only the second cookbook I own. I own Rachel Mansfield, Just the Good Stuff. And now I have this Bobby Flay cookbook. But it's so fun to make recipes that you wouldn't think about. I was the type that would just Google whatever I was in the mood to make that night, find a recipe. But the cookbook, this is nothing revolutionary, but (laughs) (laughs) it just helps me find new things that I would never think about making. And I love just flipping through a hardcover book. So tonight I made chicken parm, which was really good. And I made a crispy coconut scallion rice the other night, which is definitely something I would never make. And that was so good. And we made a Calabrian chili spaghetti with shrimp and then sourdough garlic breadcrumbs. It was amazing. Was that tonight? No, the chicken parm was tonight. Okay. That was a a few days ago or last week. But all of them are good. So I just highly recommend getting cookbooks. And this is all we have to look forward to these days. There's, I'm just saying like, yeah, you love cookbooks and I should probably get some recommendations from you. But 
I feel like after the holidays, it's like January now. What else do we have to look forward to besides fun dinners that we Valentine's make ourselves Day. in our home? <laughs> yeah, big, big Valentine's Day plans. <laughs> we should do a relationship episode around Valentine's Day. I know. When I was looking at our calendar, I was trying to think like, what can we schedule around that date? But I, so far, I wasn't too sure about what the relationship focus could be that day but yes that would be fun or the week before well i hope everyone <laughs> is the episode and we put all of amy's details in the show notes so like i said definitely don't hesitate to reach out to her follow her on instagram if nothing else to see her tulum content because that's been really really making me jealous yes she's a great follow for all of her her wealth of knowledge and the fact that she spends months in tulum so <laughs> We hope you enjoy the episode and we'll see you again next week. Welcome back. Today we're here with a very special guest, a healer, coach, and astrologer, Amy Greenfield. So welcome to Mostly Balanced. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here too. Yes, welcome. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where you're from and a little bit about what you do now? I grew up in Roslyn, New York, in Long Island, and I currently live in Los Angeles, California. That may be subject to change in the near future. And I work as a coach, combining a bunch of different modalities to support people in making changes in their lives, to really just going after their dreams and moving into the best versions of themselves. That's awesome. How did you get into this line of business? Is this what you wanted to be doing throughout your childhood, growing up? What led you down this path? I think there were some strands of this in my childhood at the time. I knew I wanted to be a teacher of some kind. I was always drawn to therapy. And then the other career path I thought I would have was being a dancer. And in many ways, I combine a lot of those modalities now. But this is actually a third career change for me. I majored in business management in school. I had always loved working with children, but I didn't think I wanted to do that. So I ended up working in business. I then went back to school to be a teacher and did a program for teaching in dual language schools and with special education. And in many ways, the work that I do now is very parallel to the work that I did with four-year-olds for seven years. I, rather than write prevention and supporting people, or in this case, children early on, to really lay these foundations and learn how to navigate your emotions, setting the foundation to believe in yourself, I now work with adults and we've all had childhoods and never too late to kind of go through all the conditioning and things that we've picked up and sort through what we want to keep and what we don't. So it's parallel and the themes are all there, but I did not know initially that this would be my work. Yeah. So what does it typically look like when someone works with you? Is it a longer process that you work together over a number of months or is it like one session? So I have a variety of different offerings depending on the person, their needs, their situation. The work that I'm most passionate about is long-term coaching because that really gives us a wide enough window and container to make real and tangible change and improvement in your life. And coaching specifically was something that I had never experienced, never knew was like an option, never knew was something that was there. And what happens is when you invest in 
coaching, you're not investing in coaching or the coach, you're investing in yourself and you're investing in this new possibility, this new potential that is possible for you and getting the support that you're going to need to make a serious change in your life. So that typically will be anywhere from three months to 12 months to indefinitely. And within that container, depending on the person's interests, goals, situation, I will often incorporate some of the one-off services that I offer to people as well. So we'll have coaching and we may also include reference to astrology or intuitive healing sessions or intuitive guidance. I also incorporate some mentorship and the teaching component of some of the work that I do because a lot of my work comes from perspective of wanting to empower my clients, not make them dependent on some other source. So teaching people the tools like meditation, for instance, and having that be a practice that my clients have in their lives that just helps expand their way of life. I love that. I love that you mentioned giving people the tools to really find that strength within themselves rather than providing a crutch. And you mentioned meditation and astrology. And I know you have experience with human design and other more intuitive areas of coaching. So how did you get exposed to all of that? And was there a point in your life where you turned to those modalities to help you? Yeah. I think things really started for me with my health. And I think many people on their paths into wellness or into spirituality, right? It starts with our demise in many ways and the struggles that we go through and overcome and learn from. So in my case, I was somebody who really overdid things in life and overachiever and perfectionism that I didn't know that I had because it wasn't an issue for a good deal of time. But then it was when the demands of life were higher and I still had that same way and approach to doing things. My health really fell apart and I was somebody who was very, very knowledgeable about everything, health, wellness, knew every supplement, adaptogen, everything you could possibly know. And I couldn't recover and I couldn't heal myself. And that was really what then drove me into recognizing and exploring the psychosomatic connection between all of our symptoms, right? That it's like, what are we thinking? What are we feeling? Are we, you know, honoring ourselves and our needs? And little by little, the different modalities that I include with my clients were the same ones that really helped me transform my life. So beginning with meditation and that process of effortlessly transforming into someone who had severe anxiety to someone who can trust themselves and go with the flow. And then coming into contact with modalities like astrology. Astrology, for example, is one of the really the first full like picture that I ever had of myself that like helped me own who I was and not feel like there's something wrong with me or I'm too confusing and too complicated. It was like on paper, this way of validating who I was to the core. And at the same time, why I love astrology is for any individual, I can introduce them to their chart and they can be astounded by how well this picture on paper is going to show the picture of their soul. It creates this like undeniable knowing and understanding of the connection of everything. If like the planets were in this position at this time, and that's why your personality or your traits or your family situation is this way rather than another way, it just connects us all. It's like, we're all these souls and like, why are you different than I? It's like, oh, your soul just chose this little scenario for this time being. And then 
from there was combining modalities and layering with human design or gene keys and using that as another tool. And then really tapping into my own intuition and pairing that with these other tools of self-awareness and self-discovery, offering intuitive guidance or helping other people tap into their own intuition. And then the other piece of that would be energy work and using Reiki or intuitive healing modalities to help people process and release traumas or just different emotions. And they all link together because these tools become useful when we're trying to achieve something or struggling with something. And it's like, why are we stuck in that cycle? It's because whether it's subconscious, whether it's past life, whether it's programming, these deeper programs that we have and using these tools to shift those or lift those and to just align with what feels good for us. I love that. I love thinking of the way that you can use them all together to help heal somebody and how you use them to help heal yourself. So when you were first learning about the different modalities, how did you actually learn about them? Did you seek out other teachers and healers or were you self-taught? Definitely a combination and some. Like I'm a Gemini rising. My whole chart is ruled by Mercury. I have my Mars in my ninth house, Aquarius in my chart, right? So I have like all this drive and energy to be exploring and learning and studying and doing things, you know, differently in an Aquarian way. So I am just definitely a learner, a thinker, a talker. So I've studied with many mentors and done many programs. Some of that comes from this need to feel that I'm doing the best at everything that I can do. So I've done the health coach certification. I did meditation teacher training with an incredible, incredible teacher and studio that I found very synchronistically who I'd looked up to. Prior, I have done a series of intuitive trainings. I've done all of my Reiki initiations, and I studied with an astrologer that I met when I was traveling in Guatemala. So I have in every area mentors and teachers, and I work with coaches myself and healers myself, and I read and I listen to things and experience. So it's all of it. That's so cool. You have so many great resources at your disposal. I'm sure that was really cool to hear from all those people and learn about all those modalities. But I'm curious, really curious about astrology. I loved what you said about how it just on paper made so much sense and validated a lot of your feelings. And I saw in one of your Instagram posts that people often say their sign doesn't really resonate with them. And I have felt that way so frequently in my life. I'm an Aries and I really just don't identify with the Aries. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about your standpoint and explain the chart and how we have different signs and maybe what each of the signs mean? Yeah. So everyone actually has every single zodiac sign in their birth chart. When you look at the birth chart, it's like this circular map. I use Western astrology in a combination of like ancient Hellenistic, traditional and modern astrology. That perspective might be relevant for whoever's listening because based on that, you're going to use different house systems. You're going to use just different systems to get this information and interpret it accordingly. So we all have each of the signs in our chart. And I like to think of the planets or the like celestial bodies as almost these like actors in a play. And depending on which sign they're in, they're almost like wearing the costume of that sign. And then the last piece that they're each in a house and the house is like, what stage are they on? What area of life is this most relevant to you? So I love that analogy, by the way. 
yeah. I feel like that makes so much more sense to me. Yeah. Cause we're complex. Like we are all like walking contradictions. So even like when you're getting accurate information from someone that has studied astrology very thoroughly and is applying their intuition, even within your chart, there's going to be like, well, you know, if you're like this, but you're also like this. And that's just because that's how we are in terms of, so a couple of things to touch on. So in terms of people's sun sign, people not resonating with their sun sign, we have so much going on in our birth chart. We have not just our sun sign, we're going to have a rising sign in a placement and our moon sign and our Mars and our Venus and all of these things. And you may just have a lot of energy in other areas of your chart rather than that sun sign being as prominent for you. So each of these like celestial bodies and each of the signs, you have to think about them as archetypes. So for example, the sun energizes the earth and like provides light and energy. So I describe the sun sign like in the simplest way as when you're embodying your sun sign, this is when you feel most alive and most energized. So it might actually not be something that comes naturally to you. You might not be a natural Aries, but I at you when you're doing things courageously and being bold and starting new projects and leading people, you feel like invigorated and alive and energized. Right. Meanwhile, you might just have more qualities and stronger energies in other areas. Like maybe you're more Piscean or all these other things that don't seem Aries or resonate in that way. So with the zodiac signs, to go through each of them a little bit. So I mentioned, you can think of them as archetypes and they're arranged around this wheel in a specific way that allows you to then use something called aspects, meaning the relationship between the signs. So like they can either be in opposition or in a trine, meaning they flow together nicely. And you're able to do that because of the different ways that these signs get their qualities or their archetypal qualities. So some of those ways are, for example, the sign is either going to be cardinal, meaning it's the start of something. So Aries being the start of spring, fixed like Taurus, like a sign that stays the same and is consistent or mutable. So changing from one thing to another, changing seasons. So that's one characteristic and it will just be around the wheel, like cardinal, fixed, mutable, cardinal, fixed, mutable. Then a sign will also be their yin or feminine, or passive, or young, masculine, active. A sign will then also be one of the elements, either fire, earth, water, or air. And those, again, will repeat around the wheel. Those are the main qualities. And then there's also things like some signs are associated with different body parts. So you'll use that information almost to compile, like, what does it mean to be Aries? And what would a sun in Aries look like? Because Aries isn't just this, like there could be an Aries style haircut. There could be an Aries themed party, like, right? So like some competitive or like sports themed party would be an Aries kind of theme party. So these broad general archetypes are then applied to, or can be applied to many different things. So that again is like a little piece of why, like, oh, a Gemini is X, Y, Z, but like, where is that coming from? It's like a lot of the different things you read will resonate, but if you on your own kind of know these general overlying pieces of like what the signs are, then you can interpret to whatever planetary body or calculation or house that you're referring to. I don't know if I'm like losing you, but yeah. I feel like this is like the best description of astrology that I've ever gotten. You're making it much easier to understand. Usually when I've pulled up my own chart, I'm like, this is way too overwhelming for me to understand what any of this means. 
Yeah. So when I do natal chart sessions before even getting into the person's chart and what is going on for them, I do like to give at least whatever kind of broad overview I can. So we even know what we're looking at. So probably in this session, won't go into what each sign is, but that would be like a start. And then the next layer is when I would begin explaining what certain planetary bodies in the chart or like the stuff that's going to be in the next layer represent. Some of that's going to be like a calculation that's relevant. For example, like the Midhaven or the MC, which gives you information about your career path. And that's not like a planet, but it's a calculation. And depending on where that falls, you can get that interpretation. So when we think about, I can start with a couple of them. So we spoke about the sun and then like the moon, think like feminine, think like your inner world, your inner emotional state. And I describe that to people as like, it's how you experience your emotions or, you know, your emotional style, but also like what brings you fulfillment. So you can look to like your moon sign and the house that that's in for like the kind of things that are really fulfilling to you and also all the other things I described. So each of these pieces is going to have so many multiple interpretations because there's also things like the moon can represent the mother in the chart. And then it's like also thinking about what other planets are in that same house with that moon or what are the aspects? Like, was there an opposition? Is the moon trining something that's going to give like more flavor or information to what gives you fulfillment? If like your moon is squaring, that's going to be relevant for the way that you express your emotions and the ease or difficulty that you have with your emotional nature and how people perceive you in that light. So that kind of like already just starts to paint the picture of how complex this is. And then because you have all that information, you can do so much with it and get so much from it. And it's really like the deeper you go, the deeper it gets. This is why I use traditional astrology. A lot of times online, like you'll see memes and things based mostly on modern astrology. But what that does is it loses a lot of like the capability to use very advanced techniques, like timing techniques, and just get so much information from this chart. So Astrology is really cool, but it it is just one tool. Like you don't need it if you don't want it. And we can tune into our heart and know like, okay, now is the best time for me to do this. Or like, I know that I have this gift in this, but it does help for just confirmation and validation with like, oh, wow, I really do have potential to like make this happen. And like to see that in your birth chart and to know like, oh, this makes sense. Like it was faded that like, I would have this challenge and like this piece of my life is difficult. And now I have this opportunity to like develop so much strength in this area through overcoming this. So all of those pieces of like just your birth chart and then how the transits interact with your birth chart is like the next layer of like, why am I feeling this way? It's like, oh, well, maybe you're in your Saturn return, like, or the moon is transiting here. And to also like learn what you can focus on, how you can make the most of the energy. It's like, oh, if you know Mars is in your 10th house, like good times, like hustle with your career, like, and use that drive in that area of your life. So it provides so much information and it's going to parallel the information that you can also just like get as a download, but it's with this like layer of detail. Yeah, that's so interesting. That was kind of what I was going to ask as well is I really don't know much about astrology, but I'll see something like the full moon in Scorpio or something like that. And so would that mean you're saying that would mean something different for me versus for Mia, depending on where things fall in my chart and hers? Yes. And this is like why when we get into the moon, like that's like its own study itself almost because the moon moves pretty quickly, but you can observe and benefit from 
following moon cycle, even using it simplistically, like just like when is it a new moon and when is it a full moon? But the deeper you want to go, like the deeper it gets. So thinking about, okay, what sign is that full moon in? So like the full moon being in Scorpio, that would have a specific, right? We said like that, like flavor of energy, the costume that the moon is wearing is like, it's dressed up in Scorpio and like all those kind of themes are going to be more relevant. The next step would like be to look at like the aspects, like if there was a trine with some other planet or an opposition to some other planet, every full moon in Scorpio is not going to be the same full moon in Scorpio. There's going to be a whole different energy based on what's going on in the rest of the sky. And then that last piece, right? It's like, if you have Scorpio in your fourth house, it might be really relevant for you in terms of your home, your family, your current environment, whereas someone else who has it in their seventh house is going to have something more to do with their one-to-one relationships with other people. And then it's going to be like, what aspects is it making to the different like planets in your chart? And you know, it's like, if that moon is on your sun or on your ascendant, on your North node or opposing something, it's going to activate all of that in your chart. Yeah. The chart is so complex. And just hearing you talk about this, there's so much to unpack. So I'm sure everyone could benefit from getting a chart read by a professional like you. But do you have any like tangible tips for how people can use their chart to maybe navigate career or relationship or get a sneak peek into when they're having a tough time in their lives? Yeah, I mean, because the chart is so complex in that way, I would recommend reading, learning, listening to things, and then just spending time with your chart and looking at like how it can or does describe you. Or I would probably invest in having a reading so you have that base. And then from there, continue to use it as a resource forever because you're always going to find new things. And at different points in your life, different pieces of your chart become more relevant or more helpful. For example, like your North Node is not going to be like such a main focus until like after you're 30 and like you'll know or feel called to seek out an astrologer like usually when you're going through something that's difficult or you know struggling with something and it's one tool you can at the same time seek out other tools like an intuitive reading it's really like right when we're wanting guidance when we are feeling conflicted or we're not knowing where to turn or just looking for clarity in those moments i think that's when people are usually starting to seek out these tools And then when we are comfortable with these tools, then we can start to like really use them to support us, right? Like manifesting with the new moon and releasing on the full moon. So they're like different areas, but like this one area of right, like self-understanding, self-awareness, knowing who we are, where we're going, our strengths, our gifts. That's also work you can just do with a coach. It's cool to have a coach that can use astrology as like this other tool to help you and write the same thing with human design, like understanding that too, but everything has like, it's slightly different flavor, slightly different benefits, like different angle. So I know that for me and being like a Gemini rising, like, right. Loving to like use all these different tools. I love that I have at my disposal, all these modalities to share with people when they're necessary and not when they're not like I have many clients where we don't ever mention astrology because it's not the best use of our time based on what we're working towards or working on. I had a comment before, like, this is like just another way that I perceive astrology and some of the other like things that I love. It's helpful because we said like it's on paper, whereas a lot of things like intuitive readings and going into the records, the Akashic records and things like that for people, 
that are newer to spirituality and, you know, trying to trust because it's like a vision or something someone sees or has a knowing about, or that you have a knowing about, it can be like difficult to begin trusting that. So with astrology, like it being on paper and getting so much confirmation and seeing like, oh my God, that is what's happening in my life right now with the transits and just seeing that is helpful. It's like this bridge between the physical and the spiritual is how I think about it in a similar way that crystals are the same, right? That like we know when we're drawn to a certain crystal and I mean, depending how attuned you are to energy, like whatever looks pretty for you, you'll look at the benefits and it's going to be exactly what you need. And these are like physical manifestation of things that are holding a certain vibration. And you can feel that in your body and it can help balance you. So again, like that bridge between like the energetic and the physical, and then the like third piece or tool that I see in a similar way is using tarot cards or Oracle cards, which is a tool that I recommend to clients that are interested in like enhancing their intuition because just like the chart, it's information that you can get straight from source, but you have this like picture and this image or even a book if you're using an Oracle card and then you can practice being like, oh wow, like that is spot on and doing that consistently and just helping you to build that trust and build that faith that like there is this whole plane of like invisible knowledge and intelligence that is always there. So that's the benefit of astrology, crystals, and cards is that verifiable physical form that we can see and refer to as like evidence for ourselves. Yeah, it's totally what you said. Like it can be validation and just really like enforce it. Like you said, it can be a actual image or picture or something that you can actually see versus like what you said about going into the Akashic Records or somebody who's just giving you intuitive guidance. I could totally see how something like astrology and tarot cards could be more of like a gateway for somebody who's really new to it. Like I feel like I'll have people who really doubt the truth of something like Akashic Records, but they also read their horoscope every day. So I'm like, it's very similar. It's just because it's something that you can actually tangibly see that it's easier for you to wrap your mind around. Yeah. So back to the moon. (laughs) So if my moon is in Scorpio, and I think it's in the 10th house. So what are the houses? Can you tell a little bit more? Because you've alluded to a few of them. So the houses are really awesome. So trying to give like the listeners maybe like a sort of a visual to understand like the layout of the houses. So on the left side of your chart is going to be the first house. And I use something called whole sign houses. And I'm happy to say this publicly, like most free chart calculators are going to use Placidus house system, which is like what use in modern astrology just because it like automatically calculates. And I highly recommend finding an astrologer or finding a free tool where you can look at your chart with whole sign houses, because when you interpret your planets and signs in the whole sign house system, I guarantee you, your whole chart is going to be way more accurate for you. And that's also when we can do like the advanced timing techniques that I was mentioning. So everyone's first house is always going to be on the left side where your rising sign is. This is the house that like represents you And it parallels a lot of like what the rising sign represents, right? Like your self-expression, your identity, how you appear in the world, your physicality. So like the first house on the left is you. The rest of the houses are the different areas in your life. And if we think of the main ones as the first, the seventh on the right, the fourth on the bottom and the 10th on the top, I'll start with the descriptions of those. So right across from the first house, which is you, is the seventh house. So you can think of that as like other 
So it's like your one-to-one relationships. It's the qualities that you're maybe drawn to in your one-to-one relationships or the qualities that you end up expressing through your relationships with other people. So this could be like your long-term partnerships. This could be your relationships with your one-to-one clients, just how you connect one-to-one. And it's like that dichotomy that's not necessarily even like the other is you as well. And then if we look to the bottom of your chart, the fourth house, the fourth house is the bottom. It's like where you came from, your family, your roots. It's also your current environment and home, your childhood. And then opposing that on the top of the chart would be the 10th house. The 10th house is career, public image. And then from there, we can like kind of like start filling in the blanks. So the whole bottom of the chart is the areas of life that are more tangible or concrete. And the top of the chart is going to be like more abstract. So if we go from the first house and we go towards the second, so it was you, now it's like you plus your things. So it's like finances, values, it's what do you value? What kind of things do you spend money on? What is your spending style? It's also values as in like, how do you value yourself? Like, so your self-worth is in that house. Like what's important to you? And then if we move to the next house, the third house, the third house is your early education. So elementary education, it's siblings, it's communication, early learning. It's also short travel and daily correspondences. So like your daily commute, things like that. And if you have any questions, you could stop me because like, right, the themes are like siblings, but it's also daily commute. Like they're, I mean, some of the other houses get even like more separated, but when you then interpret those planets and signs in that house, you'll be able to really see how that plays out. And that's really how you learn astrology is right through interpreting your chart or multiple people's charts and like seeing what that looks like in someone's life when your chart is that way. I actually do have a quick question. So can you have houses that don't have any planets in them? So yes. And that is still like an area of your life. And, but you'll have like a sign that colors or like gives the quality of that area of life. Like I know, for example, like my fourth house doesn't have planets, but my, I have Virgo in the fourth house. It's so like growing up in a home where there was emphasis on being organized or being cleanly or, you know, maybe less like emotional and cushy. And like me being someone that like, I feel good when my things are clean and in order and right. And there's going to be billions of interpretations, but those are like a few simple ways that you might interpret that. And then, okay. So fourth house, we said home, family, current environment, or like family history. Fifth house contains like creativity, love, pleasure, romance, children, hobbies. So right. Depending what sign is in that house, those are probably the things that are really fun for you or how you show up a little bit in your romantic relationships or like what kind of things you're talented at or, you know, that you find appealing as hobbies and then throw into the mix, whatever planets are in there and the interpretation of that and what that means, right? If you had Saturn in your fifth house, you might be really structured in the way that you set up like fun, like it needs to be organized or you might like get a lot of pleasure from planning you know, or you might have a block around your creative expression or around... I don't know why I thought of this, but it's like people who schedule having sex with their partner. Right. (laughs) Would that be in that house? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Some of the things like sex, this is actually like pretty controversial, which house that actually falls into. Definitely fifth would be one option. Eighth, which I'll get to, would definitely be another option. 
And I think there's even one more house that connects to that. And it's also depending on like when sex, like the physical activity versus like the romantic activity versus like the bodily function or, you know, birth. So there's different places that would go, but yeah, for sure. That would be a fun interpretation. (laughs) (laughs) The sixth house is then when we get into service and jobs in a way, not necessarily your career, but like your daily tasks, your daily routine, health is going to be in there. Pets is in there. Relationships with coworkers is in there. Yeah. So like a lot of like your daily structure and like the things you do day to day and like how you serve people. Another example from my chart, like having my sixth house Scorpio and Pluto in Scorpio. So getting really intense or deep with the things that I do work-wise and with Pluto, this is like an example of how planets can be interpreted in so many different ways. Just because you have something somewhere doesn't mean there's, it's going to express in that way. You have every possibility to express in any way. So like Pluto at its best is this, you know, leadership and power and ability and like transformation and healing and drive and even like financial abundance. And like at the other end of the spectrum is right. A tendency to be too obsessive or compulsive and dramatic changes that might not always be for the worse. And Pluto like can represent cases of abuse. So like you can see like there's so many interpretations of a planet and like how that plays out. I know for me, like I, with my daily routine, like I fall really deeply into that or get like really into it. And it could be a great way, like having a really strong work ethic, or it could mean not being flexible enough and like being too serious about those things. So like one example of how the sign and what's in that house plays out, but that's only the tip of the iceberg we said, right? Cause it's like yeah. oh, Mercury opposing that Pluto. What does that mean? And what else is happening there? So seventh house, we said one-to-one relationships or like the other, the eighth house is an interesting house. So it's opposite that second house, which we said was like a simple description would be finances. The eighth house think like other people's finances. So it's debt, it's taxes, it's inheritances, but it's also like the hidden and the unseen and the things that are out of your control. So it's also like metaphysical things. It's also sex and sexuality is in there. It's also death and rebirth. It's metaphysical, spiritual things, spirituality. So sometimes like people have a lot of planets in the eighth house that might indicate really high intuition or psychic ability. So that house like has a lot of different interpretations. Sometimes it does indicate like areas of struggle too. If there's a lot of energy in that house, things that like were not in your control. Then we move to the ninth house. Ninth house is sometimes called like foreign people and things. So it's like think travel, think learning from other people, other places. It's like the learning you do after school. So it's like studying spirituality or astrology, like going to like those next farther away places, whether intellectually or physically, like learning about things that you want to pursue beyond your like scope of like your bubble. So like higher learning, spirituality, astrology, travel, foreign people and things. Can you give an example from your own ninth house? Yes. I mentioned this a little at the beginning. I have a lot of energy in that ninth house. I have Aquarius in the ninth house. So Aquarius being a sign that's, you know, about helping humanity also like beating to your own drummer in a way, because it's like all those Uranian concepts and like genius and doing things a new different way, beating to your own drummer, but it's also like being more fixed. It's a fixed sign. It's ruled by Saturn. Like speaking about this is relevant because we're moving into like 
Saturn and Jupiter both being in Aquarius. So these are going to be Aquarian themes that we feel collectively in how our world right now is structured. So Uranus being one of the co-rulers, like think about like it's an air sign, it's technological innovation that we're all interconnected through this air, but that we are going to see these themes of like censorship and restriction and control. And that's like the Saturn piece. Yeah. So I have Aquarius in my ninth house. So like learning new concepts and doing them in your own way. And I also have Mars in that house. So having a lot of energy and drive, I think of Mars as this planet of like, if you ever don't know what to do with yourself and you feel like stuck, where's your Mars? Like go do that. And like, it'll like get things rolling for you and moving again. So it's why I can like read endlessly, listen to things endlessly, learn endlessly. And like time will just fly by. So for anyone listening, if you check the sign and house of your Mars, you can use that in that way. So having this drive there also in childhood that might've played out for me is like being more rebellious against like teachers or authority being in like that ninth house with learning and having Mars there and like wanting to do stuff my own way, especially with that Aquarian energy. I also have my North node there as well. So I'm just 30 now. So this will take more shape in the coming years starting now, but this will be interesting for your listeners. Your North Node is indicating where your soul's going, what you're working towards in this lifetime, something that is like going to be more of an intentional effort that doesn't necessarily come as naturally versus your South Node, which is always going to be opposite, which is kind of going to represent what's in your real house, what's like natural and effortless and easy for your soul. Like with the thinking that in a past life, maybe, you know, you really embodied that quality well. So you naturally have that without thinking. And now you're working towards this North node. So with the North node in Aquarius, it means like your South node is in Leo. So Leo being the center of attention and me and like shining bright versus moving towards Aquarius. Like how can we really work together as a collective and how do I help the collective through the things that I'm doing in my life? So I have those there and I also have my Midhaven there as well. So in- Packed house. Yeah. (laughs) And typically the Midhaven in Placidus, it's always going to be in the 10th house of career. But when you do whole sign houses, you'll get like a little more flavor of what your career looks like, depending on if the Midhaven is like in the 10th house or if it's in the 11th, if it's in the 9th. So this just like adds to my 10th house interpretation that like part of my life purpose with the North Node there and that drive- And my career path has to do with moving into this Aquarian energy, studying these like concepts and traveling, exploring spirituality, astrology, and bringing that to the world. Maybe like a small example for someone else. If you have like Gemini in the ninth house, like you probably like to study lots of different concepts and like travel from place to place for short periods of time. So just different ways that you could interpret these things. And it would really like depend on the person and what's going on in their chart and and then like the intuitive application as well. Yeah. We have a few short ones left. So the 10th house, we said this already, right? Career, public image. So it's definitely helpful to see what sign is there. For me, I have my 10th house is Pisces. So right, this like soft spiritual energy and I have Venus there as well. So having something with my brand have to do with beauty and harmony and love and spirituality, meditation, art, creativity. So like you can see how like with my chart, I can pair that with that Aquarian energy and they come together and it adds that like other layer of what's happening with career. 
Then if we move on to the 11th house, it's another house that's kind of broad, but I love this house. So 11th house is hopes, dreams. It's also community, friendships, causes. So how you are like in your social dynamics and like in the context of groups, the causes that you care about, things that are important to you. So another kind of way to look at values a little bit. And then the 12th house is an interesting one as well. It gets a bad rap when it's interpreted strictly through like the traditional interpretation, but it doesn't need that. I like calling it like the collective unconscious or it's like just the unseen, the hidden, but it's also like what happens behind closed doors. So it's like the problems that you create within your own head. So in traditional astrology, sometimes you'll hear like it's associated with prisons or mental health issues and things like that. But it's because, right, it's it's your inner world, your inner psyche. Like what do you do in your alone time? What's going on in your inner world? It's like the house of meditation, of solitude. I really like that it's also the house, like the whole collective unconscious. I personally have my Mercury in the 12th house. So I do think it adds this layer to like the way that I express myself. One being Mercury ruling communication and also intellect and your thinking style. For me, benefiting from time, you know, quiet space to myself when I'm thinking and to be clear headed, but also this energy of an intuitive knowing of what's going on collectively, being like tapped into that intellectually. Also like the layer of difficulty, like expressing that, like being right, the hidden or the unseen. And like, how do you then express that and make that known and accessible to people? So you can see how like, because these houses have all these different things that they relate to in life, plus the different interpretations of each planet, plus then you're like also going to add in like the signs and what that means. There's so many interpretations and it's not just that like one is going to be right for you. It's like all of these are going to, or many of them will apply in some ways and in different ways and then interact with everything else. That's so cool. As you were walking through all of that, I felt like I was just visualizing the chart and you gave amazing descriptions. Like I had no idea about so many of those things. So it was so helpful. Yeah, it's so so crazy. It's so comprehensive. And then there's like the positioning, right? There's like the different degrees of where everything is and everything. So even just hearing you describe all the different houses and a little bit about the different planets and signs is so interesting. I feel like we could go on forever. So you obviously (laughs) mentioned that you you mainly do coaching, but do you also do kind of like one-off astrology readings for people? Yeah. So here's kind of a rundown of most of my offerings. So I do do intensive natal birth chart sessions. I also do the same thing with human design. I typically recommend if you're going to choose one, I favor astrology. I do see so much value in human design, but I love that this is something it's very detailed, but that you can interpret it yourself. Like you can see where is the planet in the sky and like, how do I interpret that versus something that's like a channeled system from someone else that builds straight off of astrology and these other systems and combines them all and gives you other information. But I do think you get more and deeper and there's just more to work with and it's more free astrology. So I recommend that first. And then I do human design and gene keys. Those are kind of all in the same category of like self-exploration, self-understanding. And then I do do like follow-up sessions with people once we have their chart to help them work with the transits and what's going on in their life. The other services that I offer are one-off or even packages as well, intuitive guidance sessions and intuitive healing sessions. They can be similar or they can be different. Intuitive guidance would be sessions where you're looking for clarity on a decision to make or, you know, how can I align with more abundance in my career or like 
helping get clarity on like, what do I do next in my career? Or like, is this person a match for me? Or like, how do I align with a partner in my life? So anything at all that you want support with and tuning into like being able to give you not just like information, but also tangible steps, action steps that you can take and begin applying or how you can shift where you're going if you don't like where that's going. And those sessions alone include the option of many different modalities, but I'll usually be able to choose whatever's relevant so that the client doesn't need to, whether that means we're using information from past lives or the records, or it's a card reading, or it's just some channeled like writing, or I'm helping the person tap into their own intuition. And then the healing component would be like when there's blocks that need to be released. And I am a Reiki practitioner, but I don't have Reiki right now as a, its own service. I just call it intuitive healing, which means that instead of just working with the like one frequency of Reiki energy, that's going to like heal and resolve and rebalance whatever needs to be rebalanced. I work with specific frequencies of energy based on like what I actually see going on in the person's field. And some of that is like working with your aura and physical healing and emotional, but sometimes it is then like going into those past life experiences or I use something called theta healing, which is like really to help test and then clear from different levels of where things are coming from, whether it's like history, core, soul, genetic, all that. So that's like the other category of like these intuitive services. And I also do like energy and space clearings, which are those intuitive services. And then meditation coaching or leading meditations based on specific goals that people have. But I favor teaching people how to create their own meditation practice and keeping them accountable to that. And that I offer one-to-one, but I also have a group program that's like a really great price to offer. And I do that specifically because it's, I think, the most valuable service that I have whatsoever because of what it does for people if they get through it. But it's like also going to be like the least alluring one. It's like, okay, that sounds boring and I can use an app, but once I could get people in the door to know what meditation is, how to do it, like make it as easy, simple, seamless as possible. You don't need any app and to get people to actually do it daily for a month because I'm there like holding their hand in between our sessions. And I only have you meditate for one to three minutes a day. That gets people like to see the benefits of what happens when you do this every day for over 21 days. They have that for life. That's like my favorite offering. And yeah, you're so right. I feel like the other ones are so like alluring with intuitive guidance and everything like that. But I could totally see how that would be the most like long lasting beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's mainly the services. And then I also like can customize services to people. The other offering that I currently have is that I host new and full moon ceremonies. So those are not one-to-one sessions. Those are like group sessions that I have over Zoom where I just create and hold the space and guide us through the energy of that moon and using it for intention setting on the new moon and release on the full moon. And I also usually collaborate with a friend who is a sound healer. So we get to also like benefit from the healing frequencies of her sound bowls. Oh, cool. You really do so much. You do it all. I can't wait to check out all of your services. But before we switch to our rapid fire questions, since you did have such a unique career trajectory and said you had a few career changes before you really found this amazing career for yourself, what advice do you have for people who are struggling to find their passion in their career? Yeah. So with my clients, I have a couple of different approaches and I recommend using as many or as few of these as you need. But 
the Joseph Campbell quote, follow your bliss is really the simplest one. It's like, what is fun for you? What did you love doing as a kid? What makes you happy? What is that thing that like time flies by without you having to think about anything? So that's like a good starting point. And then there's this ikigai. It's like, right, this combination of like what you love to do, what you're naturally good at effortlessly that like you don't even appreciate that like other people are like, wow, you're really good at that. And sometimes it's helpful to get some insight from friends, family on that. And then like pairing that with what's something like that helps the world and that you care about. But then of course, when you're stuck and you're like, not sure you're doubting yourself, a lot of this information is going to be in your birth chart, right? Like you're going to see the coloring of your career or like, no, like, where's your Venus? Like, where are you like creative? What do you love? Like that Venus is going to like remind you of like, oh yeah, I do love when like things are so aesthetically pleasing and like, it feels so good for me to be in nature. So like, you can look at all these things and like really tap into your strengths with your birth chart. Human design will have a lot of information there as well, but it's all in your heart. So we said like these things on paper can be really helpful because it's just normal that we doubt ourselves. We're bringing these things into fruition before they exist in a way. So to go after that path, it's a lot of trust and a lot of faith. So if we have as many like tools anchoring us as possible to that knowing that like, I am meant to do this. This is like my soul has this calling. There's no one that's going to do this in the way that I can do it. You can like anchor onto that. Like that's what's going to get you there. All the successful people in the world, the professional athletes, like they know, like they visualize that they have this knowing that it's going to happen and don't let like the people that don't believe in them or like the setbacks or like the, however many times they've tried, like let them leave that path. So those are probably my best pieces of advice or guidance. So any of those charts, and then really just, if you're stuck, what's fun, like have fun. Cause when you're doing what you love and you feel good and you're taking care of yourself, like you're going to be vibrating higher. You're going to be more magnetic. Whatever it is, people are going to want to work with you. They're going to want to be with you. They're going to want to help you. They're going to want to support you. And you're going to be helping the world, even if you weren't doing anything, just by like sharing your energy. And yeah. yeah, and sometimes that is our highest purpose is to like be kind to the person in front of you. Like that's the height of like your spiritual growth. Yeah, and you're so right that a lot of times it might be the most obvious thing that you don't even realize that you're good at or that you might be meant to do because it comes so naturally to you. Mia and I have talked about that before that it might seem like, well, that's a no brainer. Like everyone can do that, but really they can't. It's just because it comes like second nature to you. Yeah. And then one actually last piece that I didn't mention on like the other side of this coin that is also really relevant. And it's like the opposite of what comes naturally to you. And it connects to Chiron usually in your birth chart, which is actually my favorite piece of the birth chart. Chiron is like the wounded healer. And it usually connects to the area like in our life where either we had some kind of early trauma or some insecurity, some, you know, difficulties. And the idea is that it's not necessarily something that we even fully heal, but it is like through this wound, this understanding, it's where we build our empathy and our compassion. It's like the area that we become a teacher in. So that also is another like point that can help guide people in their career path or like their life's work. Like we said at the beginning with wellness, like so many health coaches, how did they get into that? It's because they had their own health struggles and they didn't have the right tools or resources or information. And they had to learn and teach themselves how to overcome that. And then they want to help other people with that. So that would be the other one is that lesson that you've learned or 
the biggest insecurities you have, those will give you clues because I sometimes like remind people like that all of our desires, like they're on the other side of our fears and our insecurities and our attachments. It's like, if you really want to be successful in this, it's like, guess what? You're going to have to do that thing that scares you a lot. Like you're going to have to start public speaking. You're going to have to stand up to that person that you never wanted to stand up to. I feel like it's almost like designed that way so that to get to what it is that your heart and soul really wants, you have to do the thing that's the most difficult for you to get there and let go of all that stuff. And it's like when everything falls into place. Yeah, that's so true. That makes so much sense for me. And I'm sure that would resonate with so many listeners. Like the thing that's just the scariest is probably going to propel you to be doing exactly what you want and what you're good at and what will fulfill you. So I love that advice. We all need that reminder. But now's a good time to switch over to our rapid fire questions to learn a little bit more about you personally. So Carly, do you want to start with one? Yes. So switching gears almost completely. What (laughs) is one must have quality for you and a significant other? I would say, or I have two, (laughs) definitely one, but I think self-love for myself as well before entering a relationship. Yeah, that's such a good one. It's so true. I feel like if you don't love yourself, then how is someone else going to show up for you in the way that you can't? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) What is one food you can't live without? I might be like doing two on each of these. I can't choose between. I love mushrooms, like every single kind of mushroom. We've never Uh, gotten that answer. Yeah, that's a funny one. (laughs) Are you both in New York City? Yes. I don't know what the restaurant situation is right now. And I don't think they do takeout. So the minute they open craft the trumpet Royale mushrooms, but they also have like five kinds of mushrooms. They're so good. And the other one is raw chocolate. Oh, those, um, that's a good one. Wait, so craft <laughs> in the city. Okay. So we have to write that down. Remember and go and get their mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. They're and five mushrooms. Trump that's Royale. amazing. And you also don't have to choose just one. So two is good. And then, so I'm curious to know what your favorite method of self-care is. Um, so again, two things. So meditation is essential and just gratitude and like self-love. Like that was definitely something that for, I guess, people listening that like, it doesn't come naturally if you practice it and like ingrain it and come back to it all the time. Like catching yourself when you're not being kind to yourself, where you have any criticism about yourself whatsoever, like that needs to go. Like if it's anything other than like, oh my God, I love my hair today. It needs to go. You need to like be kind to your hair follicles, be kind to like literally every inch of yourself and meditation because that's the one routine that I will not go without since learning it because it was the start of everything and it just opens up and changes every piece of life, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, trust, clarity, compassion, like all of it comes from that. I'm so glad you said that about how it's something you have to work on too. It's self-care. And for meditation, was that something that you had to work at or did you just start and you noticed the benefits right away and then you kept doing it? So it was once I began meditating consistently, I knew I could never be without it. And I just made a commitment. That was even a separate benefit of this, which I consider a form of self-love is this idea of self-discipline. Like, committing to do something because you know it's good for you and doing it when you don't feel like it and building that self-trust with yourself. Yes, we can be flaky with people and honor ourselves, but like, right, it's like very common. Like you don't really want to do something, but you told someone you would, so like you show up for it, but like with yourself to flake on yourself and not show up for those things 
you teach yourself that you can't trust yourself, that you aren't good for your word when you say you're going to do something that you, you don't know that you're going to do it. So for me, that was like, even just the starting point of saying like, I am someone who meditates every day, every morning I meditate. It's the first thing I do. Yes. You can be forgiving. if like something happens one morning, like do it when you remember, come right back to it. But as I added that for like a period of time, it was like, as long as I do that, I don't care what else happens in my day. Any, many ways, it doesn't matter what else happens in my day. I've already like programmed my day to be positive and like doing that before I let anything else enter my brain, like choosing how I want to show up that day, choosing how I want my day to go, like programming myself to be in tune with love and not fear, right? Once you start building this track record, it's like, and build it as a piece of your identity, you have it. And I think you can also do that with other things that you know that your higher self knows are beneficial for you. And then in the moment, you're not going to want to do whether that's like you want to commit to walking every day because it's good for you or drinking water because it's good for you. Of course, we can have flexibility. We don't have to be so rigid, but that's something that for me is like non-negotiable and it's not being like too strict with myself. It's being like as loving as possible to myself by like not letting that be something that slips. Yeah. I love that you said to stick to things that you promise yourself because you have to trust yourself and that really hit home. (laughs) Yeah. And also what happens, and this is like a good tip for anyone who is creating any habit or stopping any habit. This was the case with me with drinking, which I don't do. Not that I would never in my life, but when you're tracking the days, like, oh, I haven't drank since this date. Like you have that momentum. It's like, is it really worth messing up that pattern for that one occasion? So that's kind of like with meditation or if you're wanting to walk every day, it's like, oh my God, check, like check. I have had now 14 days where I walked every single day and it becomes a piece of your identity. When you have the knowing of like, I'm a person who walks every single day and prioritizes that, like your body gets the message. Like I'm a healthy in shape person. I walk every day. And I know I'm like rambling a bit, but like this other point is a nice one too. When you do have something like a consistent habit, like meditation, you're building that self-trust. You can put anything into your schedule and your calendar and be like, I'm going to keep that because it's in my calendar. It's like this knowing that like when you put something down and say you're going to do it, you do it. You build like honor and respect for yourself when you do keep those things. I actually love so much what you just said, like as soon as you do something so frequently like walking and that creates your identity and you say, I am a healthy person because I walk every day. It could be so true that if you don't and you don't fulfill that promise to yourself, those things that you'll tell yourself, like I'm a lazy person because I didn't walk today. I'm not sticking with the the thing I promised myself, that whole like negative point of view about yourself, I feel like can totally just change your identity. Like then you'll view yourself as a lazy person and not feel your best. So I feel like it could go both ways. And I really like that perspective. But what you just brought up, it's really important to clarify because with that, right, you wouldn't want to be like, oh my God, I didn't work out. So like, I suck. Like with any of these habits, this is why I make them like as tiny and it's like absolutely doable as possible. Like literally just like the minimum that you need to help you in a positive way work towards something like that you positively want. So for me, like that did come up with my health. Like during quarantine, I did not feel good at all. And like my health really shifted for a period. I didn't need to like, do an exercise class every day, like everyone else was doing on Instagram. And I just had to say like, I'm going on a walk every day and I'm drinking water first thing when I wake up every day. And like literally through that, my body and health retransformed, reprogrammed. I didn't need to like do a cleanse, do anything. It was just like, 
I'm taking steps to take care of my body. I'm someone that takes care of my body. So clearly my body's going to be healthy. It's like mm-hmm. kind of just using like the minimum thing that you need. Cause it's like, what's your intention behind it? Like, why do you want to do that thing? Because of how you want to feel or how you want to look or how you want to be. So it's like, if you want to feel healthy or energetic, like what can you do that's going to make you feel that way? Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing advice. So I guess we could close with one last question for you. What has been your proudest moment? Um, I don't think I have one that like stands out, but I would say like just in general, like even now I'm definitely proud and like can own like the person that I've become and the way that I live. Like I practice what I preach and I'm proud of myself in any moment that I I'm compassionate and gentle with myself, forgiving of myself. And I'm proud when I'm generous with my time and genuine and help other people offer my services, like offer my best wishes to the people that I meet. And yeah, and that I love living that way. And That's a great answer. Well, this was so great. I feel like we could have talked to you forever and we really appreciate you walking us through everything about astrology. I mean, not everything about it, but a great rundown that was kind of easy to understand. So I think people listening will love that, especially if they pull up their chart and kind of look at it while they're listening. So do you have a favorite source to pull your chart from? So I use paid software to pull up charts. I think it's astro.com. You might have to like search a little, but you can get very specific charts. So you'll definitely be able to find whole sign houses and then you can find some other really cool Parts too, but that is the most comprehensive free one that I know of. Great. And can you tell everyone listening where to find you? Yes. You could find me on Instagram at Amy Lauren Green. Perfect. And then you have your link there that anyone who's interested can book services. And I believe you also offer like a discovery type call if people aren't sure what they want to do exactly. Yes. Using the link in my bio or the book now button, you can book a complimentary discovery call and we can just chat and figure out which of any of my services might support you. And you can also just always send me a DM and chat there as well. Great. Thank you so much, Amy. This was so informative and fun. And we are really, really, really happy you could have joined us today. I'm so glad. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mostly Balanced podcast. You can find us on Instagram at mostly underscore balanced. And if you loved the episode, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple. And we'll see you again next week for another great episode.